This is the year to stop overpaying for your family plan. So choose a straight talk wireless family plan. Unlimited data, talk, and text on a reliable 5G network. And you can get a new line starting at $25 per line per month for four lines, plus taxes and fees and no contracts. That's good decision making. Available at Walmart and on straighttalk.com. Family plan discount with four lines, all on the silver unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. In times of traffic, your data may be temporarily slower than other traffic. Video streams at up to 480p. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson, you know, before they were legends of outlaw country, they were lost souls looking for their sound. Don't miss Mandy Moore and the new scripted audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the rise of outlaw country music and its biggest stars. Hear how one woman's vision in her tiny living room, far from Nashville's music row, became the epicenter of a musical movement. Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in The Boar's Nest. Listen now at audible.com slash The Boar's Nest. Hey, it's Amy Brown here to talk about St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. For 60 years, St. Jude doctors and researchers have helped push the overall childhood cancer survivor rate from 20% to more than 80%. But we need your help getting that number to 100%. And most important, your support means that families will never receive a bill from St. Jude for treatment, travel, housing, or food. Now, that peace of mind means so much. So join me in helping St. Jude in the fight against childhood cancer. Become a partner in hope and text Bobby to 785-833. That's B-O-B-B-Y to 785-833. Hey, here we are. Episode 340 with Billy Ray Cyrus. So he's got a new song out, and I'll play it for you in a second. But we talk about all of it. His early life, he worked working at a bar, it burned down, why he went to L.A., why he came to Nashville, I mean, it's a whole story. Some of it I knew roughly, but, I mean, I learned a lot about Billy Ray. And he brought his guitar, and I was feeling bad for a second because he was just sitting with it. And then I realized he wants to play some stuff as he told stories. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, it was really cool. I really like Billy Ray. And so he came over to the house. After the interview was over, he was wearing, like, a, this jacket, and I saw the brand on it, and I was like, Dang, okay. Very, and he's like, and I told him how to say the name of the brand. And he's like, oh, that's how you say it. And I was like, well, why do you have that expensive jacket if you didn't know how to say the name of the brand? He's like, oh, Noah gave me that and said it was cool. So his daughter gave it to him. And I was like, yeah, look at that. But we just had a good time. I mean, Billy Ray's the man. We do talk about it all. It's funny, too, about how Achy Breaky Heart got its name because that wasn't the name of the song. It was a different song. It was called Don't Tell My Heart. But how Achy Breaky Heart was called that. He talks about that. We talk about, you know, Snoop Dogg a lot. But here you go. Before we get to the interview, here is a hardworking man, Billy Ray Cyrus, Snoop Dogg, and the Avila Brothers. So, new songs out today. We'll talk about the song. We'll talk about his life. Here you go. Billy Ray Cyrus. It's a Bobby cast. It was super cool to do. I was listening to your song, I guess a couple days ago. They sent me like the, it's not really a peek, so it's not a sneak peek, but the, the early version of it. And it said Billy Ray and uh, Snoop Dogg. And who else is on it? The Avila Brothers? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, this will be an interesting listen. Let's, I like how like, it's, it's about hard. I like how grimy it feels. Like hard working. Like that's yeah. the texture of it felt like what you were saying in the song. And so really thought it was cool. Didn't know what to expect. How did how in the world did this collaboration with you three guys come together? Well, it was pretty special, you know, and, and it started with the fact that I'm, I come from the Ohio River Valley and steel mills, working people, and said they Snoop Dogg wanted to do a song for the working man. And when I first heard it, it was a little different uh, connotation of what it is now. And uh, I said, man, you know what would be cool about this? I love all the working stuff. And I said, it's having the man, it is a working man. But without the woman, the man ain't nothing. We all know if mama ain't happy, nobody's happy. And we get, this has to actually be a tip of the hat to mama. And also, let's put some positive food in there for the kids. Elbow grease. Snoop sings about elbow grease. Well, we all know that, 
you know, hard work is is the key to everything. I mean, I've never had anything in life that was worth anything that came easy. It always seems like there's some elbow grease involved. And um, knowing that if you can think it, you can be it, you can do it, but it's going to take some work. And that's what the song's about. I think we found a nice balance of, um, you know, putting the the food in there, tipping the hat to uh, all the people, men and women, that make this world go round. It's a hard-working, you know, hard-working man, hard-working woman, and uh, keep Mama happy. Whenever they – because you say – you were approached to be in the song. Is that, I'm getting my order right, right? Like they came to you and said, hey, we have this song. This is kind of what the idea is. So do you have a lot of uh, input on the creative of, okay, I'm going to be in this, but this is my vision as well. And do they, is it kind of molded so all of you have your own voice in there? They came to me with, um, and this was before Snoop was in. Um, it was just a title and a little bit of a hardworking man that was really leaning a little bit more toward um, like a physical uh, like labor, like physical labor, talking about that. Sexual. Oh, that kind of hardworking man. Uh-huh. Got it. Yeah, it was a little, it was kind of going that direction. I said, hey, you know what? I really like this idea, but mm. let's really, let's let's make it s- something more than that. Let's, let's really, and and again, this, this started over a year ago, and it was the title and just this thought of a working man song, and a, just a little bit of kind of what you said, kind of that little, it was basically some drums and some, Banging and clanging of like some. Uh, it felt like work was being done. Yeah, in the like song. work was being done in the mm-hmm. song. I go, wow, man, let's put some positive food in here for the kids and the people that have a dream. Let's put make this song about something, this moment. And we all know that the frontline workers, the truck drivers, the steel mills, that's, that's what makes America go round. And we're all going through this. Let's, so that was over a year and a couple months ago. And I'm, I, Came up with a bit of the, you got to go back to what Mama said. Mama said it's going to take some elbow grease. And Mama, mm-hmm. it's, the whole world revolves around Mama. Speaking of and, Mama, your wedding ring, is that tattoo? So you don't, yeah. have to, so you don't have to remember to wear one? Yeah. Or, you, or is, does it hang on your guitar? Like, what's the well, practical both. reason? Okay? Uh, the practical reason is it does get, uh, out of, it's hard to wear any jewelry. Though, I will strap it on. When you see the video, you say I've got quite a bit of bling on. I'm thinking, wait, man, I'm doing this with Snoop. And I start finding anything <laughs> shiny, I start wearing it. Like, I'm pretty sure I have hanging on. forks on your neck. Anything yeah. that would have That's any right. reflection at all, you put any, it on. I put it on. You'll see it in the video. Like, when you did, the, how long ago did you do the ring on your finger? Long time ago. And was that your idea or your wife's idea? I really don't remember. Yeah. But uh, it, um, I like it because I always, like, I take it off, I, I fiddle with it, and then I have a formal ring as well because this is just a piece of rubber and i always leave it behind and if i just mm. get the tattoo like that looks real cool i don't look as cool as you so what my vibe <laughs> <laughs> i know i like I'm a, I'm a big nerd like it fits your vibe and you know I, but i like Thank that it's pretty you. cool well it it really bothered me when i played to have a ring on especially on this hand and it was always getting caught on the strings and um yeah so this worked out pretty good are you still playing a lot of shows Gosh, it's been so long. I played a couple. I would call it a couple shows. Like most everything I've had over the last two years um, were either canceled or moved because of COVID. And it really hurt because my goal was after coming out of 2019, I was going to spend all of 2020 just celebrating the fans and still being here all these years later. And obviously Old Town Road and the the youth of the music, it, the the shows were so cool up to that point. We were getting booked for a lot of huge festivals and great crowds. And then, like everybody, um, yeah, shut down. pretty much, you know, I came out of the Grammys of 2020. And fortunately, they handed me a couple. But the next thing I know, they shut the lights off. And it's been like a pretty dark couple years. Are and, you uh, still in shape to perform? Meaning, I did some stand-up. I did an hour of stand-up at, a, at an event few weeks ago and it wasn't that i didn't remember my jokes and it wasn't that my timing wasn't all there but i just hadn't done it a lot and my voice wasn't quite it just i wasn't in shape to do an hour of stand-up and when you hop back on the stage are you just good to go or is it stamina you have to build up i really haven't done a real show of mm. those like, that'll come then then you'll be like show. yeah um it's been you know i'm i'm looking forward to it we got 
one coming up, and it's probably going to be that because I, I am much better to be in shape vocally, though I've been doing a lot of singing, do a lot of writing. I wrote a couple albums during this and stuff that's really even this song, uh, Hard Working Man. You know, this was all part of, for me, the therapy of leaning into the music. It was all the light that I could find and faith that this thing, there's going to be a better day. I just got to make it through this storm. And like everybody, it's been a hell of a storm. I'm curious, and I'm going to ask you in just a second about your, like your Nashville, your Genesis story of you coming to town. You have your guitar with you right now. Always, because you're left-handed. Where's yours? I have actually have one of yours that I keep in a very special place that I'm so afraid to play it because it's a John Lennon, and you wrote a little note on the back of it, and I just, I'm just like, if I, if I play it, I'm not great. I'm gonna break it or I'm gonna scratch it, and that this is this is. Billy Ray Cyrus' guitar. So I've played it like twice, and then it sits for people to look at other than that. Well, see, I had this vision of mm -hmm. us playing together. Oh, you don't want that. No, you don't want that. You don't want you're that. Left, I don't ever get to play with a, another lefty. But you and don't. I thought, okay, this is going to be great. You, look, Bobby's left-handed. Can, can I see your guitar? Do you yeah, care? sure. It's even in tune. You want to pick? No, I'm good. And I'm just going to play, but I'm going to tell okay. you how dumb my songs are. So I'm playing. Okay, there you go. See? Capo comes in handy. It does. You had a capo there. So when I write songs, they're songs about my life, but mm -hmm. in a different way. Yeah. You know, whenever I was growing up as a kid, I was like, man, when I get a job, I'm get a uniform, I'm gonna get girls, because I never got girls. And I'm assuming a lot of the music that you did was early on to fill your creative cup, but also have girls like you, right? I, it seemed to kind of it, great. Part of it being in a band, but every, you know, everybody wants to be the Beatles when so, you start a band. I started working at Hobby Lobby for the same reason, so girls would like me. And I know you're laughing because you think Hobby Lobby, no girls, and you'd be correct, Billy. There are no girls that like a guy at Hobby Lobby. Then they gave me my name tag, and it said Hobby Lobby Bobby. Wow. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then it was, my name is Hobby Lobby Bobby. If you like arts and crafts, just call me. Whoa. I can see. So, so that's also that, wow. that's my dumb oh, song. Where's no. the rest of it? This is not for me. No you, one wants to hear me sing. Yeah, they do. You kind of wrote, wrote a hardworking man, only the Hobby Lobby version. <laughs> All right, here we go. And, I'll give you one, one verse and chorus, and you do a verse and chorus. Okay. We'll do a, a, a guitar pull back and forth. Okay. Okay, here we go. Let me try this one. This is another little song. It was an accident. It happened, and we'll do it. Here we go. I needed food for my Labrador, so I went down to my favorite store. I didn't think about the clothes I wore, but I learned a hard lesson, that's for sure. One, two, three, four. Don't go shopping at Target with khaki pants and a red shirt on. Don't go shopping at Target. See? Little comedy song there. Wow. The Opry laughs. They're like, yeah, Ooh, that's so funny. Man, that's Thank awesome, you. Thank man. You. That is awesome. Your turn. Verse oh, verse oh, chorus or something I, here. I, you don't need you don't. Yes, you don't need to hear anything. That, but I I had a Hobby Lobby job and it was in. You I didn't was, work well, at Hobby Lobby. Well, it was close. Crafts. I'm pursuing my in the early years. You want to hear a bit of the adventure? My first four years of. Well, the you owe me a song 80s. first, Billy. Okay. Yeah, and then I want to know all about it. I'm gonna let you put the guitar down for a second. Okay. But give me like a verse and a chorus, some good. Who's a man that devised a plan to keep our farms alive? When the news said this country's dead, his music said survive. When there's Watergate and world hate. The rest seems kind of silly. Don't y'all think it's time to stop picking on Willie? <laughs> nice, guys. Uh, I love thank it. you, man. All right, all right. I wrote that in the late 80s. I was playing a place up in West Virginia, and Willie was going through some stuff. And, and <laughs> I, I wrote Stop Picking on Willie. So mm -hmm. let's go back to you knowing that Nashville was where you needed to be to do what you wanted to do creatively. When did you know that you were going to do country music in Nashville, Tennessee? Well, my first trip came about 1981. A couple demos and a picture or two and thinking, man, that's it. I'm ready. My goal was to be a singer, songwriter, and that God would give me the wisdom and vision to use my music to represent his light and his love in this world. All I need is a record deal. 81 became 82. Two, three, 
three, four. And during 84, <laughs> the bar I was playing in uh, Ironton, Ohio, burnt to the ground. And I saw it on the news, and I went over there, and everything had melted. And I'm going through with a flashlight, and the water's dripping off the ceiling, and then the place is melted. The drum, everything's gone. But this little Bible that I'd found in the floor uh, had parted into the middle from the heat. And I shined my flashlight on it, and I said, with every adversity lies the seed to something better. And I stood there in, in the darkness saying, man, this is God telling you, every time you go to Nashville, they say, you're rock and roll. You're, you're, you're not country enough. You're rock and roll. So I said, this is God telling you, you need to move to L.A. You love rock and roll. And so um, next couple of weeks, I left out of Ohio and I moved to L.A. and um, got out there and found everybody telling me I was uh, too country. And certainly with my name didn't help at all. Billy Ray. I'm Billy Ray, you... You got a mullet. You you wear a cowboy hat, and you you look you you look and sound country. Surely you're country. I said no. I, I love rock and roll. I'm, but unfortunately, I didn't get any jobs or a record deal. And the point being, out of desperation, I got a job at Baby Toy Town. And Baby Toy Town is very very similar to Hobby Lobby. You ever been to Baby Toy Town? I don't. I don't think I've ever heard of Baby. Is it a... Baby Toy Town on Van Nuys Boulevard. It was in the San Fernando Valley. What do they sell? Baby supplies or crafts? Baby beds, baby strollers, okay. baby everything you would need for a baby. Were you now an expert in all things baby and quickly? No. No, no I was a horrible, <laughs> horrible salesman and a horrible whatever. I was just terrible. I hated my job. But oddly enough, somebody came in and uh, I did sell Pat Benatar, um, a baby stroller and some stuff, and that was as close to the making it as I'd came. But through our failures, every, as Thomas Edison said, every time you fail, you eliminate that one way that won't work, therefore being one way closer to the one way that will. And I failed way more times than I ever succeeded, like by far, I, way more times of failure. And in some ways, California, too, was just an extension of all my failures in Nashville. But I took what I learned from L.A. and a couple of years later in L.A. in my darkest moments said, okay, now go back. Go back to Nashville with what you've learned here and use everything you've learned and just persistence is to the quality of the character of man what carbon is to steel. Just keep, be a jackhammer. Pow, 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 pow. It's not the force of the jackhammer that breaks the concrete. It's the repetition. Pow, 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 pow. Just keep going. Persistence. I kept knocking in um, 1989, 1990, uh, 1989, in one week, I wrote three of the songs off the album, Some Gave All, including Some Gave All. I'd met a Vietnam veteran in Huntington, West Virginia, at the little bar I played that night, and um, that song happened to be the song that I played for Harold Shedd when, after 10 years of being told no, for the first time, somebody said yes. And That was the song that made someone go, hey, I see like a flicker of something in you. That's right. I came mm-hmm. in and uh, it was actually, I was I was down, that was going to be my last try. I said, if this doesn't work, I better get a job at the railroad. And uh, I had this song I'd written. I, some gave balls the song I should play. And then he said, I'm going to structure you a little deal. And uh, Mercury Records started a process of offering me a record deal. And it took a year or two to make that. And the to album make the itself, record. It took a well, year to... It actually only took two weeks to make the record. In the summer of uh, 1991, two weeks, I was living in my car, parked in the um, parking lot of the music mill, and we recorded uh, all ten tra- uh, nine tracks during the first week of June, and I stuck around and sang all my vocals and did all my harmonies and all my overdubs on the second week of June. And then I went back to my gig in West Virginia and uh, got fired. A big fist fight broke out, and... And some guns were involved, and and me and the band stopped playing. And uh, the owner said, if you don't keep playing, you're fired. So out of the highest moment of my life came the lowest. And I found myself in Richmond, Virginia, at a disco where they just hated us. I mean, they hated everything we did, except for when we would play this new song I'd cut called, at the time it was called, Don't Tell My Heart. And I noticed, no matter how bad they hated us, when I played Don't Tell My Heart, they packed the dance floor. And and after that, I told Mercury Records, I said, man, that one song, Don't Tell My Heart, um, it's a dance song. The Even the boot scooters, 
they'd get out there and scoot them boots across the floor. And uh, I said, I think that song might be called Achy Breaky Heart because they all, the drunks or whoever always say, play that Achy Breaky song. That's how you suggested it because the people at the bar were like, play Achy Breaky. Break that Achy Breaky That's song. That's funny. But it was called Don't Tell My Heart. And um, Don Von Trist, the Vietnam veteran who ironically wrote the song, uh, when he came to meet me at the music meal, um, I said, hey, uh, sir, did you ever think about changing the name of that song to uh, Achy Breaky Heart? And he said, I don't care what you call it. Let's just get it, get them to put it out. And uh, they did. And Did you think, and I have some questions about Achy Breaky Heart in a minute, but some gave all, that's, that's what you wrote on my guitar. Like, I, and I have affinity for that song and for the message. Mm-hmm. When you cut that record, which is Some Gave All, that's mm-hmm. the title track, did you feel like that was going to be like the song for you that represented who you were first? Everything was on the line with Some Gave All because that was the um, uh, big test for me and my band. One of the things I had insisted on was I wanted to use my band on the session. We played every night together and we'd work the songs up very similar to the Springsteen E Street sound. We just had a, a band sound. I said, I really want to use my band. And Harold Shedd said, you know what, we... We'll try them for one song. And uh, on January the, uh, 3rd of 1991, they gave us a test at the mill, and we got to cut one song, and we cut Some Gave All. And um, they said, okay, we love it. Let's do nine more. And they wow. scheduled the nine for the June. So that's like, oh, man, I got to live five, six more months. And that's when uh, Don't Tell My Heart came into my life, and I threw off one of my songs I'd written and added that one just because it felt special. So you threw off. So last, the mm-hmm. last song basically that was that package of Some Gave All the Record was Achy Break Your Heart. Almost. I added one more that came that I didn't write, and it was called It Could Have Been Me, and it was the follow-up to Achy Break Your Heart, written by Reed Nielsen, and uh, those two songs I added threw off two of mine. The one I threw off was called Whiskey, Wine, and Beer, and... Um, I think I wrote it about the same time I wrote "Stop Picking on Willie." It kind of had. I was in a kind of in that zone for a moment. I, I was writing a bunch of songs in 1989. Like, yeah. But um, whenever "Achy Break Your Heart," mm-hmm. they come to you and go, "Hey, want this to be the first single?" Are mm-hmm. you like, "I agree," or are you like, "I don't know. I have the, these other songs that I feel very passionate about." I, I felt like there was one. Like you there did. was something about yeah. it that, especially um, just because of. When we would play it, you could just feel the energy and the dance floors would pack. And again, by then, they'd, I started getting these little jobs at country clubs like where they had a lot of uh, boot scoot dancing and that kind of thing. And, and that really wasn't my expertise. It was more of like either I was playing Southern Rock or songs I'd written or George Jones and Johnny Cash and like the standards of country. And, uh, but when I'd play uh, Achy Breaky, they'd just pack it out. And it just, so that was kind of, it felt like a hit. I don't know what a hit feels like, but it felt like a hit. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots. And Tacova's is your next stop before attending your next concert. Tacova's has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring. You're talking about men's boots, women's boots, um, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tacova's boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition, timeless style, always on trend. And Tacovas has first wear comfort. Little to no break-in period. Like, it's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Plus, direct consumer pricing keeps the value on your feet and the money in your pocket. So stop by your local Tacova store. Have a complimentary drink. Shop the new styles. You like the smell of leather or no? I love it. Yeah. That's what the whole store basically is. Fresh leather. Yep. Friendly staff. Or like the smell of staff? <laughs> I don't know. I guess I'm sure they smell good there. <laughs> Many stores have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. What a gift, too. Regular live music and events, there is no in-store experience like this. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tecovas.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S. Yeah. Yeah. Tecovas.com. Find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. I just want to say thanks to everybody who has stepped up for the kids at St. Jude. St. Jude's been leading the way in the world's best survival rates for some of the most aggressive forms of childhood cancer. Your support means that families never get a bill from St. Jude for treatment or travel or housing or food so the families can focus on helping their child live. And that really hits home for me because I've been to St. Jude many times. I've hung out with the kids, played music for the kids. I was in the hospital a lot as a kid. Now, 
I didn't have cancer, but if it wasn't for people stepping up, I don't know that I would have been able to go and stay in the hospital and be taken care of. So that's why we do this, to take care of others. You can help St. Jude stop childhood cancer by becoming a partner in hope. When you do this, you'll get this awesome new This Shirt Saves Lives shirt. So join all the doctors and researchers, you know, and me, in this fight. And just text the word Bobby to 785-833. It's only six numbers, but text the word Bobby to 785-833. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. How do the biggest names in outlaw country start a musical revolution? Through one woman's vision from one tiny living room. Don't miss Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in the new scripted Audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the Birth of Outlaw Country Music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the outlaw country music movement and its biggest stars. Brewer shaped the sound and soul of country music as we know it today, despite never picking up an instrument herself. Lovingly dubbed as the Boar's Nest, Sue's place was an intimate staging ground where a new breed of singer-songwriters, wounded souls, wayward upstarts, that's where they would spur each other and tap into something bigger and something realer. Starring Mandy Moore and featuring Eben Moss Backrack as Shel Silverstein and TJ Osborne as Johnny Cash alongside a full ensemble cast. Audible invites you to enter the boar's nest and experience the rise of a musical revolution. One woman, one time, one place. The boar's nest. Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Listen now at audible.com slash the boar's nest. You know, when I think back about you in my childhood, obviously, Achy Break Your Heart was a massive song, but my song was, where am I going to live? Oh, when yeah, I get, my, I mean, I, I loved oh, that. Thanks, and that man. video on CMT. Yeah, thanks, man. Do you still thanks. play that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I did a little bit of it right now. Where am I going to like this. Where am I going to live when I get home? My old lady throwed out everything I own. She meant what she said when she wished I was dead. So where am I gonna live when I get home? That song to me is you. Thank you. And I don't know how you feel about that because I feel you have me. Okay, I I do feel like me again. That was during the uh, month of May of 1989, and what had happened was. The gig I'd play in uh, West Virginia, we'd start on Tuesday night. We'd play Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So five nights a week, four sets a night. And on a Tuesday night, I stayed out all night up to the next morning. And I I was married to a very kind lady in Ohio at the time. And um, I didn't come home. It was sunrise Wednesday morning, and I probably reeked of liquor and um, maybe some lipstick on my collar. I don't know, but it, it was ugly. And I've like the sun's up and my normal neighbors that have real jobs are going to work. And I'm out in front of the house in that red truck that's in the video. And I'm going, where am I going to live? Where am I going to live? Where am I going to live when I get home? And I, said, I wrote it right then. Well, then I go in, everything goes to crap. And, but I had the song. And then that night I went back to the gig and I was pretty down and depressed and sad. And I wrote, uh, she's not crying anymore on Wednesday. And then I didn't write anything on Thursday, Friday, or Saturday. And on Sunday, I met Sandy Kane and wrote Some Gave All. So during that one week of That's May, three of singles. That's I wrote three, three of those songs in uh, 1989 during that week. All in a week. In a week, yeah. It's almost Dolly-esque when she goes, you know, I sat down for this day and I wrote these two songs. And, you know, you're like, well, I know both of those songs. You wrote them the same day. The fact that you kind of nailed those three in that time period and I feel like creatively, it almost takes things to happen to us to kind of um, create emotion and share emotion. What was happening in your life that had you feeling these feelings to create this dynamic music, you think? I think it was an excess of alcohol. Um, there was probably some, uh, I hate to even say them, but there was, I, it was a pretty rough time. So it, um, so it was a very excessive was a, was a alcohol. Time. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, but were you, for sure. when you say excessive, did you know it was a problem or were you just partying too hard? I was actually working. It was like part of my job. I always had a rule. I said, okay, I'll go play the first set completely straight, straight up. Could and you the, play a set straight and feel, yeah, feel good? Yeah. yeah, I felt really good. I always felt like the first set was like probably my most correct. <laughs> and then um, the second set, like in between the break, I might uh, take a little puff. 
and then um, go up to the second set, and I'd feel looser. That's probably the best set of the night. But by the third set, I'd have a puff, uh, possibly, unfortunately, maybe a snort. Um, unfortunately, like then came like it was part of people partying would send me drinks. And some of those drinks would be on fire. Some would be like double shots of who knows what. I don't know what it takes to light a drink up and then blow it out and drink. But I would do that. that was, so by third set, we was rocking pretty hard. Fourth set, I was probably legally drunk. And um, unfortunately, um, uh, Keith Whitley was uh, from my neck of the woods up there in Kentucky. And I was a huge Keith Whitley fan. And... Um, when he died, that had a big impact on me. Like, I can't finally get to this point where my dream's about to come true, but yet I have some issues. So him and, him having his issues and yeah. dying, mm-hmm. did it? Did you feel like it was uh, kind of a mirror? He saved my life. I mean, there's just no other way to say it. He saved my life because my manager, Jack McFadden, was Keith Whitley's manager, and he was he was like a son to Jack. And Jack, at that point, I was on his roster, but he had never seen me play, never heard my music, didn't know exactly what it was that I did, but he knew it wasn't exactly straight-up country. And Jack had managed Merle Haggard and Buck Owens and Keith Whitley. And uh, tragically, on May the 9th, and again, this is 1989, um, May the 9th, uh, Jack was going to take me to Sony Records. For the first time, Jack was going to take me anywhere. And again, I don't think he'd even heard any of my songs, but we had an appointment. So I came down on the 8th. Tragically, Keith Whitley uh, passed away on the morning of the 9th. And uh, the meeting was canceled, obviously. And I drove back home to Huntington, West Virginia, and uh, played I'm No Stranger to the Rain over and over and over and over and over. I about played it 100 times between here and Huntington. And um, it just had a huge impact on me. And... uh, Luckily, in uh, 1991, when I realized that, hey, Cyrus, you're about to get your chance. This, this, you got the album that everybody seems to really believe something. Uh, well, they had told me, said, man, hang in there. It's, this is about to happen. And I stopped at a bridge down here on the Harpeth somewhere and threw all my stuff into the river. And, um, said I, I I can't do this and and not be at my very best. I've worked too hard. When you say through your moment. stuff, do you mm-hmm. mean do you mean your actual stuff or drugs? Cocaine. Got it. Got the, it. Damn, so, the damn so devil ass cocaine. And, and you were I, cold turkey did. I pulled over and threw my damn cocaine out. Would and, you have considered yourself an addict or someone who and I come from a, a massive family of addiction. So I mm-hmm. were you an addict or were you someone who just enjoyed it but could also if you needed to stop stop? Uh, I don't think I could stop, stop, uh, I, especially on alcohol, because I drank since I was a kid, and I ain't had a beer since. Like, I mean, that I had to stop everything, except I did say, you know what, having a little puff every now and then of marijuana helps me. It's medicine to me. And uh, so I kind of allowed myself to say, okay, if you get rid of these two devil, alcohol and the cocaine, you can keep a little bit of the marijuana because that's kind of your medicine. And um, and you never look back? No. Wow. No. The fact that you stopped, drew a line, mm. and stood at that line mm. says a lot about who you are deep down. Like you, and it, it, I think it shows itself over and over again with the things you're able to achieve. Like you, here's the line. This is my goal. This is what I'm going to achieve, and I'm not going to cross this. And that was a massive step. And to me, I guess I'm surprised in a way, not at you, but when you hit so hard and you're on and you are a superstar now, that when you have all, every resource, everything's available to you again, available more than it's ever been to you, by the way. You have money, you have fame, you have, you still didn't get back into it. No. That I is, run from it. That is amazing. I don't know. I, I can't, I don't want it around me. And... I don't even want to be tempted by it because it never goes away. Sometimes I joked. I joked with my little girl Noah a couple of weeks ago, came to see me. She said, where are you at, Dad? I said, down on the banks of the Harpeth. What are you doing? I said, looking for my cocaine. I threw away a 91. <laughs> she laughed really hard. I know, it's a horrible joke. But she thought it was, she knew the story. And um, so being able to joke about it a little bit. But um, 
I, I never knew anybody that anything good come out of cocaine. I've, and, uh, I've, I've never had a drink because I'm so scared of it. My mom was an addict, and she died in her 40s. I never knew my dad because he was an addict. And so I just, I, I'm an addict to a lot of things, but I've purposefully kept myself off of drugs and alcohol because I know I will, I know I love it. Mm. I know that I will embrace it and it will be over for me before it starts. And so I made that decision. Like I drew mm. that line and it's difficult, but to experience it like you did and then to stop, I think that's even harder to do and to never look back at it. Like that is inspiration for a lot of people that are listening to this right now. I appreciate you sharing that story. No, I haven't talked about it very much. Um, when I think maybe back. If ever, I don't know if I've ever been in this moment to just say, but I, I, think I feel I, like we're all in a moment of purpose right now. I'm trying to find my purpose in this moment coming out of these last couple of years saying, wait, this can't be an accident that you survived COVID twice and that the whole world changed and somehow you just, somehow you made it through it. So God kept you here and you found this song and wrote this thing with Snoop and the, the brothers and it's kind of came to this moment of tipping your hat to the working men and women of the country and around the world and giving kids food for thought of how to reach their dreams. I, again, when I bought a guitar and started a band, I prayed God would give me the wisdom and vision to use the music to fulfill my purpose in the life. So to be in this moment now and to be honest with you, I think that's kind of going full circle of kind of what I need to do. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots. And Tacova's is your next stop before attending your next concert. Tacova's has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring. You're talking about men's boots, women's boots, um, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tacova's boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition, timeless style, always on trend. And Tacova's has first wear comfort, little to no break-in period. Like it's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Plus, direct consumer pricing keeps the value on your feet, the money in your pocket. So stop by your local Tacova store. Have a complimentary drink. Shop the new styles. You like the smell of leather or no? I love it. Yeah. That's what the whole store basically is. Fresh leather. Yep. Friendly staff. Or like the smell of staff? <laughs> I don't know. I guess I'm sure they smell good there. Many stores have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. What a gift, too. Regular live music and events. There is no in-store experience like this. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tecovas.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S. Yeah. Yeah. Dot com. Find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. I just want to say thanks to everybody who has stepped up for the kids at St. Jude. St. Jude's been leading the way in the world's best survival rates for some of the most aggressive forms of childhood cancer. Your support means that families never get a bill from St. Jude for treatment or travel or housing or food. So the families can focus on helping their child live. And that really hits home for me because I've been to St. Jude many times. I've hung out with the kids, played music for the kids. I was in the hospital a lot as a kid. Now, I didn't have cancer, but if it wasn't for people stepping up, I don't know that I would have been able to go and stay in the hospital and be taken care of. So that's why we do this, take care of others. You can help St. Jude stop childhood cancer by becoming a partner in hope. When you do this, you'll get this awesome new This Shirt Saves Lives shirt. So join all the doctors and researchers, you know, and me in this fight and just text the word Bobby to 785-833. It's only six numbers, but text the word Bobby to 785-833. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. How do the biggest names in outlaw country start a musical revolution? Through one woman's vision from one tiny living room. Don't miss Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in the new scripted audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the Birth of Outlaw Country Music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the outlaw country music movement and its biggest stars. Brewer shaped the sound and soul of country music as we know it today, despite never picking up an instrument herself. Lovingly dubbed as the Boar's Nest, Sue's place was an intimate staging ground where a new breed of singer-songwriters, wounded souls, wayward upstarts, that's where they would spur each other and tap into something bigger and something realer. Starring Mandy Moore and featuring Eben Moss Backrack as Shel Silverstein and T.J. Osborne as Johnny Cash, alongside a full ensemble cast. Audible invites you to enter the boar's nest and experience the rise of a musical revolution. One woman, one time, one place. The boar's nest. Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Listen now at audible.com slash the boar's nest. 
as a dad, you know, and, and you're talking now about, you know, what you want to leave for people here now and for future generations and the messages that you want to, you know, spread. Did you feel like that with your kids? I mean, they were like, you're a dad, and now it's your goal to make sure that they grow up and know this about society and how hard it is they have to work. Was that important to you? Real. I always said, uh, watch what I do and don't do that. That's a joke. Well, but I don't. I, <laughs> no, I think you got. No, no, I would say that to them. No, I, and then I'd say, well, here's the deal. You know, if they really ask me something, I said, man, here's the key to life. Just know that there are no accidents, no coincidences. Everything that you be, have, or do in this world starts with the thought that you have in your mind. Every thought you have is a seed, and it's up to you to take that seed and nurture it to where you want it to grow and what you want to do with your life, knowing that it's all about purpose. It's not an accident that we're here in, in this moment. And, um, you know, most of all, just, you know, saying that, you know, keep on keeping on and believe and know that be a jackhammer. That's kind of the, the running thing with my kids. They'll say to each other, be a jackhammer. And I always know that they're talking about persistence. Whenever you were young, teenage years, because just, you know, being a kid and watching, you were just ripped, mm -hmm. like muscles on muscles, tank top, muscles, and muscles. Like you had mm -hmm. to have been some sort of athlete, crazy athlete. It, uh, honestly, I, Noah showed me a couple of weeks ago this thing of uh, 30 years ago, I made my first appearance at the Grammys and lost five. Few people can go from nothing to losing five Grammys in one night. But I, I was very, I know, I know. I was very grateful that moment. I knew I wasn't going to win one, so I wore a T-shirt that I cut the sleeves out of. It said John 316. It's floating around out there I, somewhere. That, I see the picture in my head right now. Yeah, and it's embarrassing to say, but oddly, yeah, I did look more like a linebacker than, and, and, um, um, but the, the point was, see, I, I was going to be a professional baseball player up until I was uh, 20 years old, 19, 20 years old. And um, as as things started happening, oddly enough, this jacket, and you'll see if I turn around in this video with Snoop, I took a silver Sharpie. I wear a leather jacket, but I'll, I'm in this full circle moment. And Noah had said to me, and she showed me that video, Dad, look at you, John 316. And I wore the shirt because I knew I wasn't going to win a Grammy. But I wanted to say thank you, God, for allowing me to persist and pursue this dream and not give up because I'm here now. And I wanted to say thanks, knowing I wouldn't win and get to stand up and say thank you, God, for this moment. So I wore that shirt as that reason. And um, Noah said, well, you can do it. It's 30 years later. And so I took a silver Sharpie and I wrote John 316 on the back of my leather jacket. I didn't wear it in here, but um, it's in the video. I'm going to wear it. Uh, this weekend in Vegas. And um, I think there's a lot to that, knowing that um, somewhere along the line, you know, you, you just got to remember um, what this journey's all about. I saw a clip that Snoop had posted on his Instagram. I'm trying to think of where I saw it, but you were in the... Was it behind-the-scenes stuff when you guys were making the song? There was a couple, yeah. Yeah. Possibly. Which, what did it, which one did he do? Well, to me, I'm, I remember being surprised that you were together. Because so many collaborations now, I would say most, are done where somebody cuts it here, you send over the stems, the track. You do, but you guys were together in the video. Mm -hmm. And where was that? Was it? It was at this truck stop um, over on uh, Interstate 40, um, off of I guess close to Old Hickory, where 40 hits on Kingston Springs, sort of there, in a big truck by the old prison. And there's a massive truck stop there, and man, they went full on video. I couldn't believe it. Um, it felt really good. It was this past Sunday morning at nine o'clock in the morning on a Sunday and you get the message that Snoop wants to see you in the back of the bus. And I was like, oh man, I'm all ready for this video rested up. And like, who could say no to that? So I go out and go start making my way back through Snoop's bus somewhere along the way. I'm like thinking, man, I'm going to go like, it started getting a little foggy and it's, <laughs> and, uh, and so we talked a little bit, and I stood there, and we got off the bus, and we just started rocking. I mean, we started rocking, and it felt good. And there I was at 10 o'clock in the morning, man, up on top of a semi-truck, and Snoop was, we started singing this song. We was saying everything in this business, everybody's borrowing something from Chuck Berry. 
And we, I, I started doing this thing on the guitar, doing something like. Snoop started beating the truck, and he's singing, Oh, that tumble chuck, tip your hat to Chuck. Oh, it's good. So we wrote a, kind of a song up on top of the truck about Chuck Berry. So you wrote a song. We wrote you, you a song. You walked back there and then wrote a song. We wrote a song on top of the truck called uh, kind of a tip your hat to Chuck Berry sort of thing. And then we climbed down off. I remember one of the little clips was like, here comes Snoopy. He said, hey, man, I got this show. I got this show. It's called Who's Holding the Blunt? And I don't know if he's posted that one yet, but it was this brown log-looking thing. And uh, I, I'm, and then, naturally, everything's a song to me. So next thing, I couldn't stop singing, Who's holding the blunt? Uh, who's holding the blunt? That dog will hunt. Uh, who's holding the blunt? Uh, so and it's hard to tell them what might going to pop up with me and Snoop. But um, it was a special day. I can't wait for the video to come out. The song comes out April 1st. You know what? For me, which is today, right, Mike? Yep. This is out. That's to- today. Well, no, April it, Fool's Day. When this, when this comes out on April first, it will be April first. Today, the song that, comes out today. today. That's correct. The song See? comes out today, and I'm so excited. Today, it's today, Look man. After us. all this, and it has been a year and two months since I was first approached with the idea of a hardworking man and a song with Snoop Dogg. And usually, if something sounds too good to be true, it usually is. But something about this really stuck with me. I just couldn't let go. And I said, well, if I'm going to do it, let's let's write the song really good and make it a something special. And then Snoop came in and wrote his rap that, I mean, man, it's all about the dream. I love what Snoop added to it. And uh, lo and behold, it, it, again, persistence and not giving up. There was a lot of times I looked at this and said, I guess the, that track about the hardworking man, it just fell away or whatever. But... It found its way home, and now here we are, and it's coming out today, and it's today. really exciting. Today. 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 Look at April us. Fool's Day today. of all the days. That's right. I, I, I watch you play, and it's odd because I don't get to watch other people like me. They're left-handed. You know, mm-hmm. I, if I go somewhere, and they're passing around a guitar, and they're like, I never get to play because mm-hmm. I'm left-handed. There's never a – has being left-handed plagued your life in a way musically? Always. For the first 20 years of my life, I thought I couldn't play because – I was only surrounded by right-handed guitars, so if I ever picked anybody's up, and I, I'd actually keep my dad's guitar and study these guitar books, and no matter what, it just never would make sense in my head, and I just had came to the, the clarity that I was meant to be a baseball player, that I couldn't play guitar. Did and, you throw left-handed? No, I threw right-handed. Wow, weird. You yeah, threw right-handed, but I threw right-handed, but Yeah, and I, I kicked left-footed. But I write left-handed. I brush my teeth with my left hand. Wait, maybe, you do maybe. all that left-handed, but you throw right-handed? I throw right-handed. I have never heard mm-hmm. of such thing. Mm-hmm. I know. They, I'm a pretty mixed-up guy. You write left-handed, but you throw right-handed. Mm-hmm. I've heard of people kicking opposite-footed in their mm-hmm. hand, but could you? Mm-hmm. can you throw both-handed? No, not at all. That is bizarre. Yeah, I know. It was crazy, and that's why, like, when this boy starts telling me, buy a guitar, start a band, you'll find your purpose in life. And I'm going, I know my purpose. I'm going to be Johnny Bench. I'll be the catcher for Cincinnati Reds. And uh, buy a guitar and start a band, you'll find your purpose in life. And I'm going, and finally I broke down after I'd won these tickets to see Neil Diamond, and he had this inspirational show. And I'm going, I pulled my truck over on the side of the road. And I said, crowded to the stars. I said, God, but I can't play guitar. And the voice called back and said, buy a left-handed guitar. And the next day, I found one down in Portsmouth, Ohio. And as soon as I held it in the store, everything that I'd been studying right-handed, it all of a sudden made sense holding the right guitar left-handed. I guess my brain was just wired that way. It feels like Thor and the Hammer. Like, a lot of people try. Like, you you tried all the other guitars, but finally, you, the right one, and it was like, you have all the power. That's what it, that's what it feels like right well, there. I had it upside down and backwards, and they're so different in a right-handed and left-handed guitar. And... And they just had this one, and soon I started a band that night, and we just started playing. And was the band called Sly Dog? Sly Dog, Sly Dog, yeah. Mm-hmm. And was how many of those guys hung around your life for a, a bit? Did they move around with you at all? I lost a lot of them um, when the bar burnt down in 1984 in Ironton, Ohio, and I moved to LA. But my brother was in the band, uh, my brother Kibo, and uh, he's still up in Kentucky. He's an excellent guitar player. And uh, to me, he'll always be in the band. He's he's part of what we started. 
This festival and concert season will be all about the boots. And Tacova's is your next stop before attending your next concert. Tacova's has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring. You're talking about men's boots, women's boots, um, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tacova's boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition, timeless style, always on trend. And Tacova's has first wear comfort, little to no break-in period. Like it's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Plus, direct consumer pricing keeps the value on your feet, the money in your pocket. So stop by your local Tacova store. Have a complimentary drink. Shop the new styles. You like the smell of leather or no? I love it. Yeah. That's what the whole store basically is. Fresh leather. Yep. Friendly staff. Or like the smell of staff? <laughs> I don't know. I guess I'm sure they smell good there. Many stores have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. What a gift, too. Regular live music and events. There is no in-store experience like this. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tecovas.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S. Yeah. Yeah. Dot com. Find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. I just want to say thanks to everybody who has stepped up for the kids at St. Jude. St. Jude's been leading the way in the world's best survival rates for some of the most aggressive forms of childhood cancer. Your support means that families never get a bill from St. Jude for treatment or travel or housing or food so the families can focus on helping their child live. And that really hits home for me because I've been to St. Jude many times. I've hung out with the kids, played music for the kids. I was in the hospital a lot as a kid. Now, I didn't have cancer, but if it wasn't for people stepping up, I don't know that I would have been able to go and stay in the hospital and be taken care of. So that's why we do this, take care of others. You can help St. Jude stop childhood cancer by becoming a partner in hope. When you do this, you'll get this awesome new This Shirt Saves Lives shirt. So join all the doctors and researchers, you know, and me in this fight and just text the word Bobby to 785-833. It's only six numbers, but text the word Bobby to 785-833. So you have this song with Snoop. Um, When Old Town Road came out, you know, that was, for some people, weird for me because I was such a fan growing up. Some people, that was the introduction. Like, for young kids, that was the first time they'd ever seen you. And you're on this massive song. How did that call come to you going, hey, we need you to get here. We're going to do this new version of Old Town Road. And who called you? Um, on Old Town Road, it was um, Little Nas put out the first yes. APB on Billy Ray Cyrus um, way before the song even charted at all. I think he put up a little TikTok or something and, and said, can anybody get this song to Billy Ray Cyrus? That's how you first heard about it? But I didn't hear about it then. It took a couple more months and, and the song was rising. Columbia came and signed Little Nas. And somewhere during, uh, right about the same time, it was uh, around March the 10th or 11th, that um, Columbia uh, sent me the song and said, would you sing this um, and maybe write a verse for it? And I listened to it one time, and I just fell in love with it. I said, this guy don't need an extra verse, and he, he doesn't need my voice on it, but I love this song. And they said, when can you do it? And I said, today. <laughs> And they said, oh, it's a, it's uh, how about Saturday, tomorrow? I said, ask, book it. And it was in L.A. and went to Sunset Studio. I, I wrote my verse, The Bridge, and uh, sang my thing and did the whistle. That was, it. That was, it was, they said I was done. They said, is there anything else you think? I, I said, have you ever thought about uh, maybe, I said, listen, this is, so um, they just little, <whistles> and they were like, oh, man. Little Nas said, do it. Do it all the way through it, man. So I whistled through the song, and lo and behold, now I'm the whistler for Little Nas, <laughs> BTS. I'm the whistler for Snoop. There's, yeah. a, there's a whistle in our tune. I'm, I never dreamed anybody would give a crap about my whistle. But worst, um, there are worse jobs to have than being the whistler. I'm the whistler. I think you had worse jobs. I think we both had I'm, worse jobs <laughs> than being the whistler, actually. I actually whistled while I worked yeah. back at Baby Toy Town. Whenever I, you look at your career, like from uh, 10,000 feet up, like you've been able to consistently come back and be successful in all these different areas. Music, and then television, when you, know, you did the show with Miley. Music, again, you keep reinventing how you do music. Like, you're, like what in the world? Like who, who are you having these conversations with? It's like, all right, Billy Ray, this is what you need to do now. Mm. Honestly, Dolly, first and foremost, get into acting, 
don't be dependent on radio for a career. She said that to you? Mm hmm Chris Christopherson, um, Waylon Jennings, um, and most importantly, my dad said, look at Kenny Rogers. Like, have one of those kind of careers. I said, Dad, how do you, I'd love to, but how do you do that? He said, you've got to get into acting. I said, well, Dad, you know, I ain't even been in a church play. I can't act. He said, I'm sure it's just like everything else. You just got to start. And that is... That's such good advice. It is good yeah. advice. No matter what you're going to do in life, you ain't ever going to get it done if you don't start. And so I started. And luckily I got hired by uh, David Lynch for Mulholland Drive. And that led to Doc. And then pretty soon, unfortunately, yet fortunately, I found myself living as an actor. But I'm really just a singer-songwriter from Flatwoods, Kentucky. And I was much more comfortable just being a musician. In some ways, I'm glad I did what I did, but it, it took away maybe some of my best years as a singer-songwriter. But I, I don't know that I would ever wrote, I, I might not even be here without that, those moments. So I can't second guess it. But that's why I look so forward to this moment. I hope the world opens back up and we get to play these shows that we have booked and that more are coming. Because I, to me, my high, what I really realized from the time I bought a guitar and started a band, my high is the celebration of music with the fans and the band and the song all coming together at one moment when everyone can be in unison and harmony. That's as high as I get, and I love it. That's, that's what I want to do with the rest of my life is just play some shows, people come together, sing, dance, live, love, laugh. And if there is any food for thought, if there's someone that looks at my life and says, you know what, if he can do it, I can do it. If he can reach his dreams, I can reach my dreams. And then maybe some kid might say, what was that he said about be a jackhammer? Yeah, be a jackhammer. Keep on keeping on. I actually, during the pandemic, wrote a song called Keep On Keeping On. Like, it's it's the philosophy. You got to do it. Yeah, I appreciate your dad's words. And I think it's been said a few different ways, but I like that. You, like, you just have to start. You just have to. Your dad, though, if I'm correct, did, was he a mill worker? He was. He was a steel worker up at uh, Armco Steel. And so that had to have an impact on you, too, because my stepdad worked at a sawmill. Mm -hmm. And I would see him come home and, you know, my mom didn't remarry until I was 12 or 13, but I had no stability until him at all. But he would come home, he would work so hard, but he, he hated his job. And he, and he would always say to me, I said, I hate this job. You need to find something you love to do because uh, at least you'll love doing it. Like mm -hmm. find something you love. Mm -hmm. Don't be like me. Don't work at a mill all day to just get a paycheck. Mm -hmm. Did your dad pass along any of that to you? Or did he like his mill job? My dad was a people's man. And once at the steel mill, he saw a man uh, lose his legs from a falling crane. And unfortunately, the company um, wasn't doing right by his family. And my dad ended up uh, leaving his job and putting himself through college and became a state representative in Kentucky and became the head of the AFL-CIO in the state of Kentucky, working for working men and women's mm. rights. So he did that's, it and then stood for the people that also did it. That's another thing that turned me on so much about hardworking man. I said, you know what? In a way, I feel a bit of my dad's spirit in this song. I was raised knowing that the hardworking men and women of this country that make those mills go, that make the trains run, that drive the trucks. And, you know, it, it's kind of a philosophy. And there's another side of the steel mill that I knew a little bit about steel. And then somewhere as, when I bought a guitar and started a band, I said, I got to harness everything in my mind to make this happen. I started studying and somewhere I read that Persistence is to the quality of the character of man what carbon is to steel. And I knew that without carbon and steel, steel was just plastic or rubber. That made sense to me. Persistence. Why everybody I'm studying keeps coming back to be a jackhammer. Keep on keeping on. Persistence. It's not a very glorified word, but man, it's important. Okay, so today the song is out. Mm -hmm. Hardworking man. Mm-hmm. Billy Ray Cyrus is here with us. This is Reed. Reed runs all the video, all the fancy equipment. He always asks one question. 
Reed, what do you have for Billy Ray? Well, I was going to ask about uh, your song, It Could Have Been Me, if that was, like, mm-hmm. like involved a true story or not, but you kind of answered that. Mm-hmm. Um, but is there any kind of memory from either playing a show or recording or anything that kind of sticks out to you as, like, one of your fondest memories? I think maybe that moment at the Grammys and knowing that the dream was in front of me now to be as a good idea is only as good as its execution. It has to do with me stopping all the bad things and harnessing the good and leaning into the music during that time. And most of all, because at that moment, this would be the quintessential moment when Johnny Cash wrote me a letter that said, recently saw you giving credit to God for all your success. Always remember that all things that are good come from Almighty God above. Um, you remind me of my friend Elvis Presley. In your case, as in his, the good outweighs the bad. Let him have it. I'm in your corner. Love Johnny Cash. And that was a wow. moment to me. It was during the storm of 92. Aki Breaky was as hot as it could get. And and it was Johnny Cash wrote me that letter. I, I said, you know, if Johnny Cash says it's okay, then that then it's okay. Just do what he said. Give the glory to God. And wasn't long after that, I wore that John three sixteen shirt at the Grammys and realized this. You know this. So never take it for granted, knowing that all things that are good come from Almighty God above. It's a good mm-hmm. question, Reed. And <laughs> I like the could have been me question too, because I will tell you at that time, both with Aki Breaky article, man, this song is special. And I thought I had the the other nine songs I would need, and then I heard that Reed Nelson doing uh, the uh, like his voice. Um, mm-hmm. He just got married Took a month long honeymoon And you were all smiles at the wedding You cried when you kissed the ground I got no invitation I guess the mailman didn't bring it to me But I see the whole thing in slow motion Every night as I try to sleep My buddy John said you looked real pretty And you acted like you were in love He said the preacher asked for objections And he thought about standing up When I heard that, I thought, man, I got to do that song And uh, so I threw off two of mine and added Achy Breaky and Could Have Been Me End up doing another Reed Nelson on the second album, which uh, became a hit. Um, it was called I Know the Words by Heart. Mm-hmm. You ever hear that song? Mm-hmm. And that was written, to me, that was the follow-up of It Could Have Been Me, That's was awesome. I Know the Words by Heart and Reed Nelson. Well, you, you know I love you. Well, thank you. I love you, too, I love man. having you around. <laughs> Anytime I get to see you, it's always a treat for me. You're just the best. You, and I appreciate your vulnerability. I think people hear you and go... Man, that's somebody who says things I need to hear. I think you did that here. I think there's going to be a lot of people that take your message and use it to either remain in a positive place or get themselves to a more positive place. So I appreciate your words and and just come by. Like I said it already once, I love you. So oh, thank you, Bobby. Just, 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 I appreciate that, man. Glad you're here. Any, uh, anytime you want to come over with no microphones, let me know. Okay. Because you're probably in town more than I'm near where you are. And I want to get lost. You have a fancy place, all the woods. You know, you're like, last time I saw you, you're like, come out. And I was like, Billy Ray, if I come out to your place, I'm going to get lost. I would be ashamed for you to see my place. Nah. After coming here, I'm telling oh, you. No, on. no, I'm serious, man. No, no, it. no, no. Your place, I would just like, Stop mm, I would be embarrassed. Like, this is really nice you, and clean. You just keep. <laughs> hey. yeah, I mean, this is Okay, crazy. I've had enough. I've had this enough is... of this. Okay. Listen, a hardworking man is out today. It's Billy Ray, Snoop, and the brothers, and I hope everybody checks it out, streams it like crazy. And when Billy Ray gets back out on the road and you start doing your shows, mm-hmm. I want everybody to just pack it and have that moment you're talking about. That, I look that, forward that to celebration, that. celebration. I look forward to that. Me too. Me Thank too. You. And until I see you again, uh, I will treasure this last hour that we spent together. Amen, brother. Thank all right, you all so is. much. Billy Thank Ray you. Cyrus. It's been an honor being with you. Thank you. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots, and Tacova's is your stop before attending your next concert. All Tacova's boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition 
with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. Stop by your local Tacova store. Have a complimentary drink. Shop new styles. If you can't make it to a store, just visit Tacovas.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. You can probably spell it. You probably know it. Tacovas.com. Find your new favorite pair of boots today. This is the year to stop overpaying for your family plan. So choose a straight talk wireless family plan. Unlimited data, talk, and text on a reliable 5G network. And you can get a new line starting at $25 per line per month for four lines, plus taxes and fees and no contracts. That's good decision making. Available at Walmart and on straighttalk.com. Family plan discount with four lines, all on the silver unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. In times of traffic, your data may be temporarily slower than other traffic. Video streams at up to 480p. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.